You are listening to The Urban Andy Show. I'm your host, Lori Ikata. This show talks about important Native issues and highlights guests that are representing Native people in a wide variety of careers. Featured guests talk about how their Alaska Native culture impacts their work. Listen to all of the Urban Anti Show episodes on Spotify and theurbanantishow.com. Like our Facebook page and follow the Urban Anti Show on Twitter to stay up to date on future episodes. to the Urban Anti Show. I'm Lori Ikata. Today we're going to talk with Shandine Mayo about her educational journey, her, her various summer opportunities. We're going to talk about her future goals and her advice for Native people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will introduce myself, Lor Ikada Seuza Dehun Danaka Hefte Veludanith Asesni, Ita A Johnny Kata Buuza, Ina A Misty Carlo Riley Buuza, Sitsu Uza, Madeline Riley, Sitsia Uza, James Ikada Senior Gala, Nolato Hatan Eslan Fairbanks Lesta. My name is Laura. And my Koi Khan at the Baskin name is Deludinitha. My family comes from Nolato, Kaikuk, and Minto. I'm a student at UAF and I host the Urban Anti Show. Do you want to do your introduction? Hi, I'm Shandine. Uh, it means sunshine in the Navajo language. Uh, my parents are Randy and Violet Mayo, and my maternal grandparents are the late Jenny Tallman and the late Harry Hunt. And my Paternal grandparents are the late Tucky Mayo and Marjorie Sam. I'm originally from Stevens Village, Rampart, and the Navajo Nation, and I reside in Fairbanks, Alaska. I recently graduated from Northern Arizona University, and I'm now a graduate student here at UAF. Thank you. Um, can you talk about the degree you got from? Northern Arizona University and why you chose that path? <laughs> um, well, how it all started was that I got a spam email from NAU and everyone at West Valley was going to UAF and I was like, wow, what's this school? And long story short, I ended up going to NAU, which is located in Flagstaff, Arizona, and my mom's from that area, and I decided to check it out. Um, and when I was a freshman, and I told everyone I was from Alaska, they were like, wow, that's, cr that's crazy. That's insane. Why are you here? Um, and so it was a great experience, and I ended up majoring in creative media and film. And it didn't take me it was very, it was a long process. It took me two years to find it. At first, I was uh, in theater, in American Indian Studies, and a whole bunch of other majors that didn't really, I didn't connect with until I was helping a friend with his film projects that I realized that filmmakers and storytellers had a lot of power in what they wanted to share with others. And so coming from theater, it was very nice because as a Native person, you could tell your own stories, and that's why I chose creative media and film. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so interesting. I I feel like my work is moving toward more towards media. And I've always like thought I was going to be a scientist. I'm still going to be a scientist, but like now my research, we worked a lot with digital stories and interviews, and I'm learning a lot about how to work video cameras. And so I'm just learning about all these interesting things. And I think the media is a great industry to go into and it's fun. And stories can say a lot about a person. And they can say a lot about a culture and you can learn a lot. So it's really fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially with um, all the forms of that you can choose with. It's a definitely a subjective art that really you can express all sides of your personality and, you know, people can connect with that. So it's really, it's a powerful form of reaching out to others. Yeah. So um, can you talk about, Uh, why you chose your master's program are you in a master's program right now yeah (laughs) so I right when I graduated everyone was joining or applying for their master's and I was like wow I guess I should maybe do that and so it was the pandemic it was a pandemic I finished my year here in Fairbanks and on a Wednesday night I finished my class and I was like wow I graduated what should I do now and so I was looking at programs and I found Arctic and Northern Studies here at UAF. I jumped into it and I realized that maybe it wasn't something that I wanted to study or pursue. So through trial and error, I ended up in the Rural Development Program where I really saw that that program offered a narrative sovereignty. So it wasn't outside influence coming to research Alaska Native communities it was Alaska Native communities researching about themselves and for themselves and so I thought that was very powerful and I was very curious so I am now in that program and the reason why I joined it was I wanted to know more about Alaska and how it's shaped um, and how I can be grounded in my own culture before even stepping out and filming someone, filming their story without the right protocols. And so that's how I chose that program. And so I'm just going to feel it out and see how it goes. And if anything else, I will still want to continue down this storytelling path of some shape. Yeah, awesome. And you've done a lot of summer internship programs, and you've held different job titles. Do you want to talk about some of the things you were involved in? Yeah, so speaking of trial and error, um, internships are a great way to see if you like this line of work or to see if you really like the company or not. And so I jumped into um, voting internships where we focused on, you know, voting and uh, the legislator and government stuff where I realized I wasn't really interested in that, um, but I was introduced to a lot of networking opportunities and organizations and to see how people themselves can organize and end up with change was it changed how I thought about film because in the same way you can do the same thing and so after that I was like well I should do a communication something in line with that so I applied to a couple and in a couple of different places I was able to experience broadcast, uh, corporate communications, and, uh, you know, nonprofit communications, and all of them are their own beast, right? And so I was able to see which one I liked, and all of them helped me realize that if you're really passionate about something, and if you really know how to talk to people and how to work with people, you know, you can really go anywhere in life. And so um, that's one big thing I took out of all those different experiences. Yeah, um, there's a lot of different kind of opportunities. A lot. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of different opportunities people can take part in. And yeah, and I really encourage it too. Internships are a great way to see if you like it or to see if you don't like it. I thought I would go into law, but after seeing how the legal internship, um, you know, just seeing it firsthand, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe not. So that was <laughs> that was a good um, way to see my path. 
Yeah. Yeah. So definitely people should see if their native corporation offers internship. Most of them do. And like your tribe. Yeah. Summer youth programs are a good way to get involved in your tribe too. Oh yeah. And I would just say apply anyways. So if you're not if you don't think you have the right skills or if you think you might not be good enough, you are. And just, I would just say apply and to just try it out. Yeah. So can you tell me about your future goals? Where do you see yourself? In oh the gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do it could I be see? broadly. You don't have to have a specific like career planned out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at least where I see myself in the future is in Alaska. I really have done some thinking in my past internship where they were asking, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? You know, this is a really internal push of what you want to do. And I was thinking about it and I really realized that I would like to stay in Alaska. The quality of life is great, at least to me, because you have the outdoors and the community is phenomenal where it's tight-knit and where you know everybody and where the community gatherings mean something and so that's what I want to be a part of at least in the future and career-wise I would want to blend media or the form of storytelling along with community or rural development I'm not sure what that looks like right now but it's kind of blending those two interests uh, together. Um, naturally, I really enjoy film and uh, storytelling and all of those ways, but kind of finding a way to how, finding a way and how to blend those together is really important because I know that a lot of organizations would like to express their cultural importance, whereas other media organizations might want to sell something else. So it's kind of bridging that gap and being in the middle of that cross-cultural communication so just to be of service and to help organizations communicate that is what I want to do and it's the only way that I know how to give back at least I know I, I know that I could give back in the form of communication and media yeah something just hit my window oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you had unlimited funds what would you create right now? Oh gosh, if I had unlimited funds, I think I would create, there's so many projects. I, I know that in a lot of my other experiences, just kind of creating short documentaries about how people moved across the land and just seeing how we were nomadic and how that the seasons really shaped our lives is something that I would like to do. You know, that includes traveling out to the villages and things like that. So if I had unlimited funds, I would do that and just kind of express the way that we moved across the land. And I mean, it's super important because we still do that today. Yeah. And so can you talk about how culture is an important part of your identity and like some of the things you've learned from participating in cultural activities? Yeah, so one way that culture inspires me, well, I'll start off with a story. So when I was, <laughs> when I was working on my thesis for my undergrad, I had to make a film. And my first pitch was to make a film about our beaded earrings. And when I was delivering that uh, pitch to my professors, I was explaining how much meaning and how much symbolism was placed in our earrings that they were blown away. They were all like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that the next time I look at, you know, a native person's earrings, I'll know where they might come from or what it might mean. And just knowing that was crazy because, you know, native communities, earrings are everything. And so to know that film can communicate that is just mind blowing because it's something so nuance that you think everyone might know it but you know not a lot of people do know that and so culture inspires me in every way the way that we talk to one another the way that we you know move across the land or even the way that we experience things all influence the way that I uh, 
pursue film. So um, everything does inspire me. <laughs> um, and how do I integrate that? Was that the other question? It's just like, what have you learned from some of the cultural activities you participated in? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I learned that there's no right way of doing anything. I heard that from one elder and in film or in storytelling, there is no right way. It's as long as you do it and as long as you, um, you know, try your best and just knowing that um, our ancestors were measuring and skin sewing, you know, with our fingers or just eyeballing it or just the way that we cook, you know, it's um, just knowing that kind of motivates me and that's what I've learned a lot from our culture and that's something that I continue to take away is you know our natural talent and our way that we use the resources around us is very motivating yeah and going back I just love how that you mentioned beaded earrings <laughs> of the passion of mine I spend lots of money buying beaded earrings and buying beads <laughs> and making beaded earrings and and I've been watching Res Dogs every Wednesday. Oh, and I yeah. Just, I just noticed, like, their earrings. <laughs> every I know. Episode. I, I really enjoy looking at the different styles and how people wear them. I know sometimes I wear little small ones, but other people can pull off really big ones. And I'm like, go you. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I have some, like, 10-inch earrings. They go like really far down. Yeah. They're longer than my hair. <laughs> and then um, it's just a good way to show like that you're a native person. It's a good way to be like visibly, like visibly um, a native person. Yeah. I, and seen. I mean, yes. And that's, that reminds me, I'm getting excited now, but that reminds me of the classes <laughs> that I took. So when I was uh, in my classes, you know, the program was half theoretical and the other was practical. And so in some of my classes, I would have to make little films or little audio things or take photos. And a lot of my films had to do with native culture, whether that had to be like Inksa history or, you know, seasonal changes or, um, you know, life stories. I think a lot of the times when I was in class, I would be so nervous. So my first little film was about the Hawaiian club and how they danced and the movements and the importance of dance and the importance of those songs. I was so nervous to share it with the whole class because I was the only brown person. And so when I was showing it, everyone was like, wow, like that's so beautiful. And I was, I was blown away. I was terrified that they would be like, why are we watching this? Um, but instead they were you know, blown away by the movement and by the combination of the camera and the coloring and the editing and just always a symphony of culture and technical aspects that was able to bring that story out. And so that motivates me and I've come a long way since then. So just like wearing beaded earrings, I'm really proud to show and honor, you know, our Native identity. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, <laughs> beaded earrings get me really excited every time. And every time I'm like interviewing someone, I like wear beaded earrings and then we end up talking about it. <laughs> and then I go on this whole, I love beaded earrings rant. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good topic. I think you should have a whole spinoff or maybe like an earring competition about <laughs> native earrings. <laughs> Great idea. Great Love idea. <laughs> so can you talk about um, some of the Native issues you are passionate about and some of the Native issues you want to incorporate in your future work? Yeah, so there are a whole bunch. I mean, I am not an expert on any one of them. But I do recognize and I am aware of these issues. I mean, it's, you know, from education to subsistence to, you know, the economy or even how we even access the land or even culture itself. So, you know, in a lot of these issues are kind of like great topics to talk about in a lot of films. But at least in my mind, 
I think I would want to know a little bit more and research that because you know stories they do share the emotional truth and I, I think that's why it's so great because you share the emotional truth and I, I recently watched a documentary about you talk and it was produced to affect change right because there's there it's coastal erosion happening from climate change but when you watch the film you don't remember the inches that they lost or the precipitation that they'll get or the amount of federal you know money that they'll get in order to relocate but instead you'll walk away with the music of people knowing that that's the land and it's eroding and that they're going to have to move. And so, you know, that's one issue is, you know, emerging issues like climate change and knowing that films can help that is ner nerve wracking because it's like you're, you're um, taking that story and you're showing it to different pockets of different communities. And so honoring that community and those people are really important. And then I, th I think that's when the issue comes secondly, because you would have to build that trust in order to really focus on the issue and to affect change. And so I was kind of roundabout answer to, you know, how I view it. But I mean, I think on my bucket list, I would at least want to cover or at least tell a story of, you know, spring breakup, you know, at least in my village, we've got flooded so many times. So I would think that, you know, that's an issue. And just sharing that, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen. And I would want to help with that. Or just knowing that, you know, a lot of people in rural Alaska, they don't have stores or a post office or even a, you know, a doctor. And so just doing that step by step, I think is what I want to do. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. <laughs> I watched the New Talk documentary when I was at the Just Transition Summit in Anchorage. It's a great. It's a great one. It's great. It like evokes so much emotions. I was like crying, <laughs> and it's just like these people's stories. They really touch you, and they're really impactful. Yeah. I mean, the filmmakers could have just had like scientists, and they could have had like um environmental people and lawyers and they could have just talked about what's happening but then that wouldn't have evoked so much emotion and right yeah yeah just yeah I just watched that like <laughs> during the in like June and oh I really yeah enjoyed it and that reminds me of something else is why I really like documentaries or media is because you're there for a reason and I think one thing that I took away from my undergrad program was that people take pictures, at least like Eugene Smith, with purpose. And I just remember when I was younger and I'd be like, wow, I want to travel, dad. And my dad would be like, why? Why do you want to go over there? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. But now that I'm older, it's like, oh, I'd at least have a purpose to go there with a camera in my hand. And so that's one of the main reasons I really like film. Yeah, it's good to have a purpose and to make an impact. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about it with my friend and she was like, wow, it was so cool. You get to go to these different events and you don't have to stand there awkwardly because you'd have a camera in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> and... um. Do you have any advice for Native kids who maybe want to go into documentary filmmaking or media? Yeah, so advice that I would have is that I totally support you. So when I was entering this medium and I had come back, I would get really nervous when I would see other people with their nicer cameras. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, um, but they were so supportive and they were really encouraging and especially to know that it was a, a native person it's you know that's solidarity in its purest form so now that I get to say that it's super exciting because you know film and media it's totally subjective and it's the way that you express yourself is the most important and just know that constructive criticism is really good and that you should 
listen because sometimes when you get so wrapped up in a project you might not know that you might have missed something or that you might need to work on something else so my best advice is to get out there and to show up and to also respect the people that you're going to talk to because you're handling their story and they trust you and so to build that trust is really important and so that's my advice thank you yeah (laughs) when you're (laughs) when you're doing like interviews with people there's a lot of like ethical considerations oh yeah to have in mind and um just like these are people's stories and their videos and faces so is there anything you want to say about ethics yeah um do you think you could explain that a little bit more yeah just like um some things are sacred in native communities and um being respectful of wishes oh okay yeah Yeah. totally i um well I know that there was this one documentary produced it is by Shandine Tome that's not me it's another one um but her documentary she co-directed it and she featured a ceremony but she didn't film the ceremony itself she filmed the preparation that went into it and I haven't seen it myself but I know that she was saying like that she really uh built trust with the family and she it was a long process but ultimately she didn't film the ceremony it was the preparation the community involvement and how important a ceremony was like that in such an urban area in California so there are ways around it to get away like to get around it creatively but I would say that it's very important to not just film anything and everything that moves or to not film anything that would get yourself credit. So just knowing that you're filming for your community and for your people, just know that they're going to hold you accountable and to know that, um, you know, it's really, I think it's a good thing that they're holding you accountable because it's very important and um, I didn't learn about this when I was in my undergrad program because it was in such an urban area but now that I come back here to Alaska you know culture is everything and to know that you can't film everything is it's a roadblock but it's there for a reason and so you know when you're talking to people and when you're thinking about filming something I think you should really take, I think people should take a step back and just kind of ask yourself, how does this impact the people that will watch it? How does this impact the people that are in it? You know, is this, should I leave it alone or should I document it in a way that's possible? And so there's just a lot of questions that go into it and just a lot of self-reflection, but the bottom line is to not film anything that people don't want you to film period yeah (laughs) yeah good point I think if you're if people are confused on like what can be filmed and what can't be filmed it's good to talk to people talk to leaders of the community talk to elders ask for advice it's always okay to ask for advice yeah and I, I remember reading one book um for class and it was just the basics of don't wear stripes in an interview, don't put them too close to the wall, don't do this, do this, do that, but most importantly, it was like when you're shooting a camera, it's a record, and so just knowing that it's, a camera is very powerful is super important to know, because I think that when people think about filmmaking or, you know, storytelling, they're like, oh, have fun with that, that's great, just show me the end product because it'll look pretty but it's like no you have a lot of considerations to make you have the location scouting is that a cultural site you have the people that you'll be talking to and then most importantly 
how will you shape that story in the way that accurately reflects them you know and so a camera is media is a very powerful tool that is used by people like us <laughs> yeah this reminds me of like um the news like things can be portrayed a certain way in the news yeah <laughs> things can be um edited and um yeah messages people can make videos into messages that they want portrayed so I think a lot about like fake news and um alternative facts <laughs> yeah and um I think the most important thing I keep reminding myself is that people really I don't, I'm not sure how to put this but you know people come to you for a reason and you know if you just stay true to yourself and be aligned with your values and ask questions when you don't know what to do you know I think that's helpful yes and what is your hope for future native communities what do you what do you hope that your future native communities what's your hope for them your goals <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um hmm, that's a really great question I think what I hope is that when people make stories it's because they love their community it's because they love their culture so much that they put the time energy and work into filming writing that script making those calls contacting those people in order to make that production happen i think it's out of love and so to recognize that and to know what it's like to put in that hard work it's you know I really hope that communities are proud of what they do and I really hope that people individually know that our culture is very beautiful it's the way that it catches the light when you're filming it it attracts your eye and that's why you film it in the first place and so I think filmmaking to me is taking the time to really notice and care about those little aspects you know and I hope that people are proud of that in the future and how they build those communities is really important yes beautiful <laughs> <laughs> And um, what message do you want to send out there for the Native kids listening? Oh, gosh. Well, I would say stay mischief. Um, no, just kidding. Um, I would say, let's see, for all those Native kids that are listening, just know that the things that I did were out of curiosity and that it doesn't make sense right now, but at least trying those different things leads you to the next step. So it doesn't really matter if it, if your path is straight right now, but at least if you keep moving, if you keep trying different things, it'll get you to where you want. And it doesn't have to be A, B, and C, you know, and it just, it's nothing is ever, well, I forgot what the elder said, but it was like, there's no right way of doing it. And so that's what I want people to know and to know that, you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there. All you have to do is catch them. Great advice. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to touch on that we haven't uh, talked about? Yeah, um, let me think. Well, off topic though, I have been trying new things um, like snowshoeing. I made a pair of snowshoes. And even now I'm just reading more about our traditional stories, not necessarily to make films out of them, but, but to really understand how we told stories back then or even the importance of you know, hunting and stuff like that. So um, off topic, I just wanna say that people should try out new hobbies too. I don't really know where I'm going with that, but that's what I'm doing right now. So not necessarily yeah. hustling, 
to get a film done, but to just really, I don't know, take a break. Very important. And you were just in a boat race. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) So actually that came out of an internship. I was doing a qualitative research thing and the outboard association was like yeah we'll help you with it and so I was like weighing people and I was like taking their information and saying like okay this is the fee and whatever and this one night this one boat racer was like hey my other person didn't come in yet but there's just two of us so just leave that third person blank so I was like okay and then he just stayed there and then he was looking at the scale and then me and I was like oh are you waiting for your third person and that person was like oh I'm looking at it and I was like oh oh that's me that's me and so I ended up the next day telling well no that night I went to Leo and I told my family and they were freaking out they were like this is no regular boat race you're not sitting in a comfortable chair you are flying through those river systems to win and I was like easy it was it wasn't as easy as I thought the first race that I joined was the Tanana 440 the river was really high and um, it was really windy so there's a lot of waves and there was a lot of debris and I was wearing an oversized life jacket oversized gloves and a big helmet so that was not a great start and the boat kept breaking down but I did learn a lot about boats and about like the motor and stuff like that but I think what I really took away from it was that communities are really important and that you just deal with what you're given with so when we're stuck out there you know you can't just call someone so we had to do a lot of problem solving and you know just seeing that was pretty awesome I mean yeah I was stuck on an island with two strangers on a broken down boat but I learned a lot about the river system and motors and how the community, you know, came together for that moment. So in short, that's how I got into it. And that's how I survived that night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boat racing is really physically demanding. It sure is. It's scary. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think I learned more the first time I raced because the boat broke down so many times. And then the second and third time, it was on a different boat, and there was no problems whatsoever. And I was like, wow, I learned a lot more through trial and error than I did on that successful boat run. Um, But yeah, I like it. It's a lot of fun. Will I ever drive and make my own boat? I don't know. But for now, I am just the occasional boat racer who might be too excited about it (laughs) yeah um I was in the I was in a boat race this past summer and that was scary and (laughs) that was just too like adrenaline rush for like the whole time (laughs) did did your boat flip over yeah my boat flipped over oh my gosh and that's scary <laughs> I am fortunate to say that um I've never been in a flip boat, but I'm glad you're safe. Yeah. So I think my boat racing career is over. <laughs> um I have a lot of respect for it now. I was like, cool, I'm gonna take a nice smooth ride to Glena and back. And you should see my face. That's like <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not fun. Or oh, it's fun for some people, but not for mm-hmm. me. It's scary. And um, being in a boat race is really amazing. And it's amazing that people could do that. Yeah, I I would like to do the Yukon 800. I mean, that's like the last boat race I haven't checked off. But I know it's a really long ride. But, you know, I've never been to Galena or it would just be like that last boat race to check off. It's kind of bothering me because I've done two out of three, but not the last one. And I always, like the last boat race, I was got in and I was like, I know what to do. And I was like, wow, it's such a nice day. And we were like flying and I was like, wow, it's so beautiful. And then all of a sudden I was like, 
oh my god, Shandine, you're on a boat. There's no seatbelts. What am I doing? And I'm only wearing like like a rain jacket. And I was like, oh my gosh, get your head in the game. You know, you're flying that fast and you have to lean. And then after that, I was like, okay, focus, focus. And that's when it was like, you know, a little tiring because you have to know the you know how sharp the turns are or just kind of feel the boat yeah yeah you have to be paying attention the whole time yeah and um everything really depends on the navigator leaning uh, um, when they have to and leaning with the amount the right amount of pressure yeah I well, the first boat race I got in the person that I got in with was like just feel the boat and just like you know relax and I was like how do you feel the boat you're flying <laughs> that fast and you're turning so quickly but you know when you sit on the boat you really do feel the weight and you feel you know when the motor catches the water and you know you feel when the when you're trying to turn and so just kind of feeling the boat also helps me in life because it's also like okay well how do I feel internally like let's do a check and just stop and just kind of feel feel it out and so um I like to think that's how boat racing helps me in life besides from it's a fun thing to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah you really just learn by doing it so yeah and I think um is it the be by bones boat I think they really encouraged me because I I signed up you know I was doing the signups and I saw Chantel 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 yeah Chantel you know the Chris goes and I was like oh my gosh she can do it you know and I was like whoa maybe I can do it so she really uh her and her sister really inspired me I mean I don't know them and they don't know me but just seeing them and seeing that representation was like really motivating yeah they're my cousins and they're just very tough women and they (laughs) love boat racing they do it every summer and it's just amazing to see this woman representation in this like really really physically demanding sport yeah and I I think I also want to check off dog mushing too I just want to do one race because when I was younger I did it but once my family moved into town we had to um, you know get rid of the dogs and you know focus on getting a job and so that's one thing I want to want want to do is doing a dog race too which is also very tough (laughs) yeah you just need to communicate with kennels and ask them if you could use their dogs in a race uh dog mushing is really demanding too (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not like taking a nice cruise (laughs) it's like sometimes you're running with the sled pushing um it's yeah there could be accidents in dog mushing it could be dangerous it's really cool really cool experience (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what I would want to do I think an elder was like wow, I have this, to tell you the truth, I just have this bucket list and I just do stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do that too. <laughs> yeah, you might find something that you're like um, really good at or something you really enjoy and you continue to do. Or something so. that you're really bad at too. So yeah. it was both ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is how you learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I just thought of another question while we're here. Yeah. <laughs> when you were in Northern Arizona, um, how did you deal with like homesickness and uh, like being away from Alaska? I know that like part of your family is from the lower 48, but just wondering if you had those experiences. I sure did. And I think... When I first moved down there, it was all exciting. You know, it was a new place. It wasn't as cold and there was more places to eat at. But when my family dropped me off and I was looking out of that dorm window, 
I literally wanted to cry. I, you know, my family was driving away. And once they went around that bend, I was by myself. And that was terrifying because, you know, as Native people, we like our families. You know, we travel, you know, family is like such a big thing. And so when I was by myself, that was really difficult because there's so many things that we have in common, at least, you know, with our friends too. And so when I was down in the States and especially when it was, you know, springtime and I, even though springtime for Arizona is like, I don't know, maybe January, it was awful. So when it'd be springtime, I'd be like, wow, carnival, the ice, you know, like dog, you know, dog racing. And this is coming around the corner. And, you know, everyone else was like, what are you talking about? Um, and so, and there were times when I would, um, be really homesick and I would have to, you know, call my family or, um, you know, just watch videos and, or I'd be in the library and I would go to the Alaska native section and I would just look at the books just to get like a sense of home. And even, you know, navigating that was a little bit challenging as well, because when I would cook salmon in the dorm, people would be like, why does it smell like hot dog water? You know, get that out of here. And I'd be like, oh, I'm so homesick. And now you're telling me that my traditional food smells like hot dog water. Like who says that? Um, so it was a rough three years, but just reaching out to family and, you know, learning about other native cultures too, it helped. And just going back and forth really helped as well and I didn't realize how connected I was at least to Alaska and to our communities was like that strong where I would be like really homesick and so it was a challenge I would say yeah you're like um you're culturally connected to these lands and then it's hard to be uh going away for school because you're leaving your like whole social support system behind so you have to find a new way to get social support yeah and uh, you have to make <laughs> friends college is hard <laughs> yeah I I think one thing that got me through though was sharing our native games our traditional games and I was able to take a couple of students to Juno for their traditional games and just sharing Alaska and some of our you know or public traditions like that was super exciting. That kind of pumped me up and motivated me to stay. Um, and so that helped a little bit too. Yeah, you were involved in Native games a lot in high school. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the first time I saw NYO was, a, was at Randy Smith and I was an eighth grader. And I was like walking by the gym and I was going home and I was like, wow, what are these kids doing? Why are they doing these weird things? Because, you know, they're jumping and, you know, the ball is hanging from the ceiling. And I was like, oh, that's pretty weird. And that's how it all started. Um, and so following that year in high school, I saw it again and I was like, huh, maybe I should try it. And all those games were really hard to me, except for the one hand reach. And that just came naturally to me for some reason. And so... I just kind of went from there. I started from one game and kind of building up to the next. Um, and even though like I'm not like super awesome at it where I'm like breaking records or, you know, killing it at every kick, I really enjoy meeting new people and I like traveling um, and just always improving is what keeps me motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Participating in Nave games is like joining this community of people who are just so supportive and encouraging. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, like, I know it's everyone says it, but it's really unique. And when I was sharing this game with some Native students at NAU, they were really intimidated. They were like, wow, you guys are literally doing like the splits in the air while doing a flip while still kicking and still landing on one foot. And I was like, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what we what we do, but it's fun. And they were like, how could that even be fun? I would have to have like an APAC or whatever. 
And I'd be like, no, 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 no. It's fun because, you know, there's a lot of sportsmanship, camaraderie, and that's why I like it. You know, it's fun. And that's how they were able to connect to it. Even though they weren't native to Alaska, they saw that same cultural aspect and they could connect to that. And I think that was pretty awesome to see that. Yeah. Native games are great. Yeah. Um, very hard. Doing one hand reach. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. I can't do that at all. But you have to like balance your whole body on one arm and reach up and touch a ball. And then like people reach really high. And that's amazing. It's amazing to have those abilities. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice too. Very, a lot of discipline, I think, is needed. Mm-hmm. I say that like as my voice is going down because I, I don't have a lot of discipline. <laughs> I just kind of do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm not like training for we or anything. I just show up <laughs> <laughs> and hang out. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for chatting with me about all these different things we chatted about. (laughs) I know there's a lot. And I mean, from the native games to earrings, to storytelling, to ethics, it's all kind of a a conversation in a nutshell. And I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about, but it's, it was a great opportunity to get to know you and to, you know, to talk to you and to have the opportunity to share about myself is, um, I'm very thankful for that. So thank you. And I'm excited to see and hear more of your podcast series. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we used to compete against each other in NYO. And then we have like the same friend groups. So I'm glad we're connecting. I know. It's um it's a small community, but I'm glad to um come back and to, you know, meet other people and to talk about other interests that we have, like like boat racing (laughs) (laughs) thank you yeah well thank you actually